Greetings, everyone. I'm Vicki Basilica, Director of the Clinical Specialists and Scientists section here at ASHP, and thank you for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature from the exceptional program from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, best practices, and leadership advice at the world's largest gathering of pharmacists. I did want to take a quick minute to talk about the NIOSH list because it's linked. So how many of you are aware that USP Chapter 800 is official? I'm just trying to see who's awake. All right, so a few hands, right? Is USP Chapter 800 enforceable? Yes, raise your hand. A couple yeses. So depending on the state you're in. So I can't say that it's not. How many have heard the term compendially applicable and actually understand what it means? All right, so cool, some hands are up. All right, so the important thing is that 800 becomes compendially applicable with the official date of 795 and 797, right? So that means that even though this chapter has been available in either draft form or as an official chapter for many years now, it's not really been enforceable depending on the state you live in. But now the NIOSH list actually has meaning, right? Not that it wasn't meaningful before, I didn't mean to say that that way, but it actually becomes a part of what is enforceable, right? So the NIOSH list becomes a little bit more important as to how it's structured. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that because there was a really important change in the 2020 draft. Okay, so full disclosure, the most recent actual draft of the NIOSH list is 2016. Hopefully everyone knows that. There were 2018, 2020, there were draft revisions. We haven't seen anything yet in 2022. Also full disclosure, we put the NIOSH update in mid-year meeting as a placeholder in case for three years now and so far we've not had any luck so maybe next year we won't do anything and we'll actually get a list but 2020 important updates one the draft list two published the procedures for developing the list and then three there was a management document for managing hazardous drug exposures but i want to focus on the list and the 2016 list the one that we're actually using right now five tables Table one, two, and three are the ones probably most people are familiar with. 2020 list, two tables. Okay, what's the big deal? We'll get to that. So table one in the 2016 list was based on AHFS categorization. So if it was antineoplastic, table one, automatic, end of story, didn't matter how the drug's mechanism was. If it was an AHFS 10-0, it was in that table one. Table two were not antineoplastic, but they still met HD criteria. And then table three were reproductive hazards. Now we have, hopefully, table one is going to be, it meets the NIOSH HD criteria, and it's either a National Toxicology Program or the International Agency for Research on Cancer Carcinogen, or the labeling has some sort of manufacturer-specified safe handling instructions, right? So that automatically now lands it on table one. Table two, other drugs that meet the NIOSH criteria. Another important thing, probably most of you are familiar with, CBER drugs have been deleted from the list. So that means no what drug? BCG. I heard at least one song. Thanks, Ryan. So no BCG, right? So what does that mean? Well, it means that you probably have an uphill climb trying to get some of your urologists on board if you're in a situation where you know they're independent or uh, practicing, whatever. It depends on how your health system is structured. But anyway, you have your own list. That's the institutional list that 800 requires you to have. It must include the NIOSH list. I would include CBER drugs like BCG. All right, there's my soapbox moment. Okay, so table one, AHFS antineoplastic drugs could now be in either table one or two. It depends on whether it has that NTP, IARC classification, or if it has MSHI. If it's an antineoplastic drug and it's not classified as that, it can now go into table two. We'll get to why that's important. Table two drugs, non-antineoplastics that meet HD criteria, 
moved to either table one or table two, again, depending on is it IARC, NTP, carcinogen, does it have MSHI? Important, we'll get to why. And then finally, table three, reproductive hazards, most of them have moved to table two. Table four, anything that was removed from the previous version of the list, that's now just going to be a supplemental information. It's not an official table. And then table five, those exposure controls are now that separate document that I mentioned that was released. Okay, so practical implications, why we're talking about this in the first place. As I said, 800 becomes competitively applicable. How many of you knew that USP 800 was revised in 2020? Couple hands, good. This is a really important line down here. For the purposes of this chapter, the term anti-neoplastic only refers to anti-neoplastic drugs included in table one of the most current NIOSH list. What does that mean? Here's my favorite example. So ASHP, we really pushed for this. We worked with USP, we worked with CDC. We wanted to get where you could do an assessment of risk for a drug like luprolide, right? So luprolide is 10-0-0. It actually has two classifications within AHFS, but it's considered an anti-neoplastic. It now moves to table two on the new list. It is not in table one. It does not meet that statement for the purposes of this chapter, the term anti-neoplastic. So now that doesn't apply. I can now do an assessment of risk on luprolide. Woo, right? I mean, this is a big deal. I think. So it gives you more flexibility on how you can do this assessment of risk. Okay, the other thing, final list, estrogen-progesterone combinations. They were table two 2016. If the 2020 draft revision becomes finalized, they just move to table one. So does this qualify for criteria to conduct an assessment of risk? Let's check how you're doing. So can an assessment of risk per USP 800 be conducted for estrogen-progesterone combinations under proposed revisions to the NIOSH list? So the first answer, no. These now appear in table one, and it's no longer eligible. Two, yes, these are not really hazardous drugs, so full containment strategies are not necessary. Three, yes, despite appearing in table one, these are not categorized as AHFS 10-0 antineoplastic drugs. Or four, no, these are table one and IARC group one carcinogens. Okay, so who says one, that these are no longer eligible? Okay, how many of you are looking at the slides and already know the answer? Here's one. All right. Thanks for being honest. I appreciate that. Two, yes, you can do an assessment of risk. These are not really hazardous drugs. Okay, no one's saying that. Three, yes, despite appearing in table one, these are not categorized as antineoplastic drugs. Okay, that's the right answer. You all should be raising your hands here. And then four, no, these are not. So these are actually classified as carcinogens, which is what landed them back in table one on the draft revision 2020 list. But because they're not considered antineoplastics, the full containment strategies from 800 don't necessarily need to be applied. You can still do your assessment of risk. Okay, so that's the NIOSH update. Thanks so much for listening in today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more episodes from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting. Until then, this is Vicki Basileka from ASHP Official and thank you for all you do for your patients.